stumbled in today like a prodigal child. I stumbled in like a prodigal child. Y'all can have a seat. I believe that all of us stumble in as prodigal children. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Y'all, if that don't get you fired up, holy moly, if that don't get you fired up, I don't know what will. That song, y'all, that song is like a message in and of itself. Just the song is. So, y'all, we are in uh, Romans chapter 5. Last week, we walked through the, the first five verses of Romans chapter 5. And those verses kind of tell us how, uh, how the Lord uses our, our trials and the pain that is in our lives how he uses that and he produces endurance and then he produces character and then he produces hope. And I believe that hope is one of the main things that separates a believer from an unbeliever. And last week at the end of that message, we asked this question. We said, uh, we asked this question about, about how that he can work all that out. How can he take the pain, the suffering, produce, you know, at the end of the day, produce hope in us? How does that work out? What does he use? How does he do it? And we answered the question, if you remember, love was the answer. Love was the answer. Crazy, amazing, unbelievable, undeserved love, but love is the answer. And he pours that out, that love out, he pours it out into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Today I want us to look at the next little section in Romans chapter 5. And here Paul really expands on this crazy love that the Lord displays. Today's message, the title of today's message is Anyway. And you'll see why in a minute or so. So I want us to read this section real quick. Today's message is going to be very different. I think the Lord has something really amazing for us today. Uh, kind of kicked off with that song. But today's message is going to be really different because here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this section of Scripture, Romans 5, 6 through 11. And then I'm going to give you three points, three kind of takeaways, I guess, three little fill-in-the-blanks in your worship guide. And if you don't have a worship guide, get your hand up. We want to get one in your hands. But we're going to do that, and then I want to tell you a story. And it's kind of a long story, but I want to tell you this story. So starting in verse 6 of Romans 5, should be on the screen. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But... But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we're reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Also in this passage, Paul, the Apostle Paul, discusses God's unbelievable love. He shows us the boundless depth of justification. We've been talking about justification for, I don't know, three weeks, three or four weeks now. Started at the end of chapter 3, works all through chapter 4, and then now into chapter 5. And he also gives us a super 
clear definition of agape love. Agape love. Lots of words used in, in the New Testament for love. Here he gives us this clear definition of agape. He shows us what the meaning of that is. Agape love goes much further than phileo. Phileo is another word that is used for love in the New Testament. Phileo is like brotherly love. Hence the city of brotherly love is Philadelphia. It comes from the Greek word phileo. But agape love is like a new kind of love. It's a, it's a godly love. It's a, it's a, a, a sacrificial love. Love. It's a covenantal love. It's a love. Y'all, it's easy to love somebody when they're lovable. But agape love is a love that gives itself, and these five or six verses tell us. Agape love gives, it, gives itself to the weak. Agape love gives itself to those who are ungodly, who are enemies, who are sinners. Agape, when it's used when, it's, when the word is tied to God's love, it is God's willful direction towards me and you. It involves when, when, when God does what he knows is best for man and not necessarily what man wants. God knows better, and it's when he does what he knows better for us. For example, John 3.16, we talked a little bit about that last week. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? What's the word? He gave. He gave. What did he give? He didn't give us what, what we wanted. He didn't give man what man wanted. He gave us who God knew we needed. And that is his son to bring forgiveness, to make forgiveness and justification available to us. It's covenantal love. It's the love that does because God is a promise-keeping God who knows better for me and you than we know for ourselves. It's a love that is willing to do anything, to go to any length. It's a love that is willing to chase me and you down, to hunt me and you down because he loves us and he wants us, and he wants us today, and he wants us now. So let me give you these three quick kind of points from these verses. Number one is this. We were ungodly and we were weak and Christ died for us anyway. Verse 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. So we were ungodly and we were weak and he died for us anyway. Number two, it's going to start in verse 8. We're ungodly, we were weak, and we were sinners. And God showed his love for us anyway. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, in the middle of us being sinners. Y'all, it doesn't make any sense. In the middle of our sin, in the middle of us being ungodly, in the middle of us spitting on him. He died for us. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So we were sinners and he loved us anyway. Number three, we were enemies. So we were ungodly, we were weak, we were sinners, and we're enemies. 
and God reconciled and saved us anyway. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, and that just means we were brought back into a, into a right relationship, reconciliation, to God by the death of his son, much more now that we're reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Y'all, ungodly, weak, sinners, enemies. That does not paint a good picture of me and you, does it? It doesn't. But he what? He died for us. He loved us anyway. And he reconciled and saved us anyway. Y'all, I want to tell you a story. I told you I was going to give you three points to go over some scripture, and I want to give you a story, tell you a story. About a 13-year-old boy, boy's name, we're going to call him Justin. It's not Justin, but it's Justin. Justin never knew anything good. His parents, Justin's parents, if you want to call them that, these two had absolutely no business whatsoever having a child. They were completely, y'all, without qualifications to, to birth a boy other than having the physical tools to be able to make it happen. He was unintentionally conceived, and he was unwanted completely after he was born. In fact, they made way less effort to raise this kid than they made to conceive the kid. So like many other children, many other kids like him, he, he, he literally grew up in the streets. This boy had seen and done it all at 13 years old. By that young age, he'd already committed crimes that should have landed him in jail, should have put him away really for a long time. But fortunately for Justin, in the crowds that he kind of spent time with, those crimes were kind of be, had become his everyday life. And for the most part, they were mostly hidden from mainstream society, mostly hidden from me and you, kind of done in the dark. Everything Justin had, which of course was whatever Justin could, could carry, it was constantly stolen, and then he'd steal it back. He rarely ate well, and he never ate on a plate. His language, dude, he had an atrocious mouth. Language was foul as the day is long. His manners were, were horrible. He was always dirty. He always stunk. The evil stuff, the evil things that would shock me and you, he either ignored. Sometimes they even made him laugh. But mostly, y'all mostly... He didn't laugh, not really. Maybe on the outside he put on a good face, but mostly he was just sad. Y'all, he was just sad. He was very sad. But by 13, he'd kind of become numb to all of that. One day Justin's picked up by the police, and it ain't like that was a new thing for him, but this time they took him into a room. They showed him the interrogation room police station, showed him this huge file. This huge file was his file. And he had absolutely no clue that the, <clears throat> that the cops had this much dirt on him. 
they seemed to kind of be aware of his crimes, but, but since there were so many kids like him, the police mostly ignored him. But he, Justin, had gotten worse. But of course, oddly enough, in his culture, he was really getting better. He was able to steal without being detected. He was, had become able to inflict pain without showing display in one iota of remorse and even smile when he needed to smile. But now he wasn't just picking pockets anymore. He'd graduated to home invasions, to, to mugging, to carjacking, to assault, to dealing drugs, and to other stuff that I don't even want to go into here. He was actually considered among his little peer group to be very successful, that he was destined Justin was destined for great things. He was a prodigy among thugs. But on that day, he was in an interrogation room. And them jokers had an ironclad, rock-solid case against him. He's going away for a very long time. He knew that he now he'd be tried as an adult. That this time he wouldn't be able to get off by blaming his parents. And just as, as fate was sinking in, just at the right time, a super extremely well-dressed young man was brought into the room. And he introduced himself as Joshua in the interrogation room. Joshua represented, he said, a man that wished to adopt Justin. And Justin was like, what are you talking about, brother? He's like, why? Who? Like, what does that even mean? Man, you're crazy. This well-dressed guy said, as to the who, it's my father. He said he's the king of a foreign nation, even though he spends a lot of time in your land. As to the why, he said he's, he's noticed you on his visits here and even has people watching you. He's taken a great interest in you, and he is convinced that you're really just, you're a great man inside the mind of a broken little boy. He said he wants to adopt you and help you to become that man. He said to put it plain and simple, he loves you. He talks about you all the time. He said, don't get me wrong. You're not the only one that he sent for me to bring home, but he acts like you're the only one. He acts like each one of you are the only one. Justin said, Josh, your dad is out of his mind. And I think you're probably out of your mind too. Well, it may seem like that, but he's unique. He said, I guess I am too. But let me tell you, my father, never wrong. Never wrong about anything. And he is absolutely determined to put all of his massive resources into getting you and others like you up to your full potential. And Justin is like, why? Like, like, why? Because he can. Because he cares. Because nothing else makes sense. He's just like that. It's just who he is. It's what he loves to do. And he can do, and he will do, everything that he says he can do. 
Justin said, has he seen my file? Like, there's no way he's seen my file. Joshua said, he's the one that had the file made. He said, this is all the work of special investigations, and it begins with, your, with how your parents came together and, and is thorough right up to the second that you were arrested today. Dude, the ink is hardly dry on half this stuff. He says, he's, and he still wants to adopt me? No, there is no way. That don't make no sense. He couldn't possibly know everything that I've done. He said, there's something wrong with that picture. He said, tell me what you really mean by adopt. Well, it means you immediately become a prince. A little bit like me, really. Everything that is his is mine. And everything that is mine, I share with you and the others, measured out according to how well you cooperate. Uh-huh, Justin said, cooperative. Cooperate, there's the catch. I've been waiting for the catch. What are you talking about, cooperate? Well, Justin, you're going to be retrained from the ground up. It's going to be like there's going to be a new Justin. You're going to be completely re-educated on what life means and how to live it. In fact, you, you probably won't even be called Justin anymore. My father has a special name for you that you'll find out at the end of the process. In the meantime, you're going to be taught how to see yourself differently, how to see your world differently, how to see your life differently. You know what? You're you're going to get an almost entirely new image of how to treat other people. And each of you, each of you, based on your particular skill set, based on what, you, what you're good at and what you're weak at, you're going to be given specific tools to help you in the re-education process of others. Well, Justin said that sounds easy enough, but I don't get this whole cooperation thing. What, you know, I, I must be missing something here. And, J and Joshua went on to explain. He said, it ain't easy. He said, it ain't easy. I'm offering you something wonderful. But don't you ever think that what I'm offering you is easy. Probably you're going to get at odds with the training pretty quickly. The ideas that you're going to be taught Justin are going to sound completely backwards. And you're going to want to refuse a whole bunch of it. Most people do. There are going to be times, Justin, when you get super angry with my father. You're going to want to go right back, right back to that former lifestyle. And you know what? You... You probably are going to try to do that. What then? Justin said, what then? You going to have to popo pick me up? No, man. We just wait. You'll come back. I told you, my father's never wrong. It may take a while. You'll come back. He said, you know, once you know my father, life will never look the same again. 
all the things that, that make you happy today, they're going to seem dull by comparison. Or at best, they'll just simply remind you of him. Now, nah, Justin, you'll come back. But you will have wasted a whole bunch of time having a pity party feeling sorry about yourself. You know, truth is, Joshua said to him, truth is, it's pretty painful when I watch that happen. So if I accept this offer, Justin said, if I accept this offer, my life as I know it is over, right? Well, sort of. Sort of. He said, actually, the training takes place right here. You don't leave. What? That's nuts. How am I supposed to do that? Well, Justin, a person, Josh was trying to explain to him, he says, a person doesn't truly change until he rises above the stuff that's been keeping him down in the first place. And we have training facilities all around to help you through the process. And these facilities are run by people just like you, Justin. That's why it takes cooperation. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. It's not coercion. There's not manipulation. Nobody's going to bend your arm up behind your back and make you do stuff. But you, you will be pushed for sure. But Justin, you have got to choose to engage every step of the way. Otherwise, it'll have no real value. It'll have no real effect. He said, this whole deal is based on trust. My father trusts you. So do I. But you got to trust him. That's what it's all about. He said, the sooner and the deeper you learn that, the more you're going to get out of this offer. But you got to promise to give it your best shot, and you got to trust. you got to trust me. Well, i got to tell you, man. That just seems way too good to be true, Justin said. It's like I won the lottery or something. Well, Joshua said it, it is good. Like, it's real good. It's good news. But it's true. And let me tell you again, it ain't no picnic. You have won the lottery. But you're not going to be spending the rest of your life sipping pina coladas on some beach somewhere, at least not most of the time. He said while you're engaged in it, you're going to work like you never worked before. He said it's going to hurt sometimes. You're going to struggle sometimes. And I just need to make sure that you fully understand what I'm talking about. But dude, if you surrender, if you surrender to the process, you're going to love it. The rewards will be way beyond anything you will ever imagine. And Justin's looking down. Y'all remember what's down here? It's foul. He said, what about this foul? He said, what about the cops? There ain't no way in the world that they're going to let me off just because your dad is some rich king. He said, have you seen this foul? It's huge. Actually, no, they're not, nor should they. But we've worked out a deal with the judge. Worked out a deal. Joshua said, I'll be arrested. In your place. He said, I'm going to serve your sentence. Oh, silence. Silence in that interrogation room. 
Justin looks at Joshua, he's in shock. Not just at what he heard, but at the fact that Joshua was smiling. He said, Joshua, do you have any idea what they're going to do to you in here? Joshua said, I know exactly what they're going to do. And Justin, y'all, Justin was used to the pain, but he, but he feared prison. He was also used to fear. And he could see that while Joshua was smiling, there was like this little bit of fear in his eyes, almost like he wished there was another way to do it. There was some other deal that he could have made. But there's only one deal. Y'all, there's only one deal. He said, I cannot believe you're doing this. Why are you doing this? He said, I already told you, because I can. Because I care. Because I love you. And the others too. And he said, I have the ability and I have the authority to get all of you off to my father with this trade. He said, I am thrilled to do this. Justin said, honestly, you look scared. Joshua kind of smiled at him again. He said, yeah, I do wish there was another way. But the penalty's got to be paid. Penalties got to be paid. Joshua said, in fact, I'm sweating right now thinking about it. But he said, Justin, please say yes. And you, he said, Justin, you've always known that, that you weren't made for the life you're living. This is your chance to grab hold of what you're made for. Grab hold of what you're made for, Justin. He said, I want to do this, and I want you to do this. Justin couldn't, he, he couldn't stand it any longer. He just started crying. Everything that he's done, everything that had been done to him, it all came crashing together in front of Joshua. There's no more pretending. He buried his face in his hands and he just sobbed right in that interrogation room. He's like, how could all this be real? How could this have happened to him? And Joshua just, just kind of reached over and he, he, he put his hand on Justin's hand and he said Justin I just need for you to confirm the deal I just need for you to say out loud that you'll give up the life that you have that you'll turn away from that life for the life that I just described to you Joshua said I, I brought you some of my clothes and I need you to wear them every day I need you to clothe yourself in my clothes every day. It'll remind you of our agreement. It'll remind you of your former associates as well. Put them on, Justin, and don't you ever look back. And so after a few minutes, Justin's weeping at the table. He finally got it together enough to blubber out, all right, I give. He said, my life is yours. My life is your father's. Joshua said, Justin, he's your father. He said, he's your father now. Y'all, the Police officer comes back in that interrogation room. 
takes the cuffs, takes the cuffs off Justin, puts them on Joshua. Like it all went in slow motion. Seemed like, y'all, it took years. Justin just felt this freedom, this freedom of being liberated from the chains. Shackles are gone. But he also felt the weight of seeing Joshua's hand unjustly bound. Clicking of the handcuffs coming around his Savior's hands. That sound pierced the silence of that interrogation room. He said, Justin, he's your father now. There was nothing, y'all, that Justin could say. It's all past words now. Anything that he would say would just fall empty in the floor, miles short of what he was feeling. And Joshua seemed to know that. His eyes, y'all, his eyes told a story. His eyes, looking at Justin, said that they understood. And y'all, those were the same eyes that looked at Peter. The night Peter denied him. Same eyes. Justin sitting there caught between ridiculous gratitude and overwhelming remorse as the policeman starts to cart Joshua away. And it hurt Justin to watch him leave, but he couldn't, but he couldn't look away. Y'all, he couldn't look away. Just as Joshua crossed the threshold of the doorway, he looked back over his shoulder. He looked at Justin, he said, made me proud, boy. And then he was gone. Y'all, I'm Justin. If you're watching online, you're Justin. Lonnie, Justin. Susan, Justin. We're all Justin. God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you're watching today, if you're sitting here today, and you think you're unredeemable, the Lord says you're wrong. If you think that you are irreconcilable, you're wrong. If you think that you're too far gone, the Lord says you're wrong. If you think that you're just too bad, the Lord says that you're wrong. If you think that you've just strayed too far, he says, nah, you'll come back. I'll wait. You'll come back. Y'all, if that is your mindset, you have no understanding of the gospel. Because he did not come to heal the well. He came to heal the broken. Because while me and you were weak, ungodly, 
sinners, and enemies. He loved, died for us, and reconciled us. Y'all, that is the gospel. Come to him today. That song said, lift your head, weary sinner. Y'all, take the shackles off. He'll put them on for you. Y'all, in fact, he put them on for you 2,000 years ago. Your shackles are gone. Let them be gone. There's nothing you can do to deserve it, and there is nothing you can do to not deserve it. Ungodly, weak, sinners, enemies. And yet he died for you anyway. Y'all, it is, it is simple. And yet it may not be easy, but it's simple. Repent of your sin. Believe that what happened on that cross happened and that the price was paid for you. The shackles are gone. He put them on. Ask him to save you and you're saved. If that is you, I want to pray for you right now. I want you to say this out loud. You say, if you're online, scream it out in your house. I invite you to come to the cross if you feel led to come to the cross. Our prayer team is going to be in the back. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. But here's the deal. If you have never said yes to that offer, Just pray this along with me. Lord, let today be the day. Let today be the day that I repent of my sin, that I turn away from it. Lord, let today be the day that I let you take the shackles off. Lord, I've been fighting it for 25 years. Let today be the day that I allow you to take the shackles off. Lord, I believe that you died on that cross to save me. I believe that you died on that cross to pay for my sin. Because your word says that the sin's got to be paid for. And I believe that you did it for me just because you love me. Lord, save me right now. In Jesus' name.